0: Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in, let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat and managing the radio for this road trip is Mindy Shire. Before starting the Runway of Dreams Foundation in 2014, Mindy spent 20 years working in fashion as, as a designer for INC Collection and a stylist for Saks Fifth Avenue. Mindy was inspired to start Runway of Dreams after her son, Oliver, who was has muscular dystrophy, wanted to wear jeans just like everyone else. Also using her design skills and to adapt jeans that met his needs and increased his confidence, she went on to conduct extensive research as to modifications required for mainstream clothing to meet the needs of the largest minority in our world, and that is people with disabilities. Hi, Mindy. Hi. Let's get rolling with stuff because I have been looking forward to I try to bring on guests that offer a little bit different perspective, but the overall theme is still the same. Let's disrupt the world a little bit with what's going on in the disabled community. So I want to talk about Oliver's needs. And how that shifted you off the highway you were on into the adaptive clothing. So, is it safe to say that uh, you kept designing while you're beginning the adaptive clothing adventure? You handled both, you added one more thing.
1: I did. Yes. Yeah. So, really being a designer um, by trade, you know, I had been in the industry during the time of, you know, Farrah Fawcett and Brooke Shields and Mark cool. Wahlberg. So, this very unattainable, you know, perfect look um so adaptive or people with disabilities were absolutely never part of the conversation um and until oliver came into my life i had absolutely no idea that these challenges existed that there there was any problem as it relates to uh dressing yourself Mm -hmm. so it it really was a function of you know oliver truly guiding me um in the very young age that he was about the importance of clothing um, and how it made him feel and not being able to wear what he wanted to wear um, based on his, you know, physical limitations. And it really was a, a tremendous aha kick in the stomach moment that there was nothing that existed that I could provide him that would help solve the problem of dressing challenges back Wow. This was in, you know, early twenty ten through thirteen.
0: did they where did you get the time from? Where did you steal it from your life in order to start working on that?
1: I um I, I think and certainly any other parent or caregiver, anybody else listening out there, you find time that you never even knew you had because I had to solve a problem. Yep. Um, and it was a problem of, of that my son needed. And Mm -hmm. in a situation of, you know, him having a neuromuscular disease that I could do absolutely nothing about other than watch him, you know, digress really kind of his muscles break down over the course of his life. This was something that I felt I could make a difference. And so it became my absolute priority. And if that meant working at night, you know, Mm -hmm. weekends, whatever it took to help
0: you know, move this forward, what it's, what I was going to do. Cool. You left, uh, designing to do this, correct? After a while, I did. what was the tipping point? I mean, there had to be at least a financial side. Did you have a, a target in mind or an amount in mind where it was time to just, let's just focus on runway of dreams. Now when that started being created,
1: Um, Again, I think when you are so laser focused that Mm. all I wanted to do was solve this problem for Oliver and the 1.8 billion people on our planet that have a disability. Yeah. Um, You know, one would say I didn't make brilliant choices considering we went from a a two income household to one, Um, but it was that important to not only, but my husband you know, we really approached this as um, a, something that we felt was so important that we were willing to take the financial hit um, okay. to be able to make this happen. I would say the tipping point was that um, balance again, I'm, I'm sure your audience can understand this too, where we were at a time of Oliver um, being undiagnosed. So I okay. had. I traveled the country really to any doctors that I could find that could maybe solve what was wrong with Oliver. Nobody could figure it out. So, you know, it was that notion that I needed to focus on him and his health as well as, you know, hopefully solving the problem of clothing challenges. So that was really when I decided I needed to sell the business that I had started, um, that that's where I was in my career, um, and go full-time with runway dreams.
0: Well, let's look way back. <clears throat> like you're in high school or junior high school. Did you have any opportunities? I mean, back then, my era was called home Uh, did you have any opportunities to take classes for design and clothing, making, making of clothing?
1: I love that because that was my era too. Um, and if you could believe at, um, my high school, we didn't even have home So I didn't learn how to sew until I went to college and I was self-taught. I mean, I had to, it was like sink or swim. I I was Mm -hmm. a fashion design major, so I had to, you know, get myself caught up a bit to the other students. Um, So I I really was most definitely self-taught.
0: Definitely. So it's not necessarily what you know, but who you know, how did you start rubbing elbows in order for you to get some doors open to where you ended up? How did that work?
1: It did benefit tremendously that I came from the fashion industry and I, you know, had really good connections. You know, I had made a bit of a a name for myself. So that, that absolutely made it a little bit easier. However, no matter how amazing your connections are, If you are going to, you know, establish major global brands Mm. and you're bringing this, at the time, ridiculous idea that they should be designing for the largest minority on our planet was really the steep hill that I had to climb, that it didn't matter who I knew at the company. It was much more about educating and helping them understand that this really is... biggest business opportunity that may come across their Mm -hmm. desk you know in their professional life that this is as white of a space as they could possibly get Mm -hmm. and nobody is doing it yet so it definitely i had quite a few doors quite a few doors closed of course um in my face but that only made me want it more
0: okay all right so now let's focus and getting into Runway of Dreams. And the best way I've always found with, with my guests is to open up their website. So we're going to do that and, and dig into some things. But I want listeners to take a moment to, they're going to shut us down. Don't forget to come back. Go over, and there's a link in the Life's a Road Trip website for you to get into Runway of Dreams Foundation. And on the uh, opening pages, a video title, It's Time to Adapt. I want folks to go watch that and then come on back. But don't forget to come back. Okay. So people had an opportunity to go watch that. It just blew me away. And when I was studying uh, you, Mindy, it was obvious to me that as soon as I heard about your son and what dragged you in that direction because of your heart was pulling on you, that um, you were getting into big business. But I was pleasantly surprised to find things like this uh, on the website, and from going back to the beginning, of the first time I looked at the website, a couple of things had changed. I think this came onto it, so uh, I applaud you for doing that. Now, there is a quote that one of the um, folks on the website makes, and it's: "This revolution is about more than adaptive clothing; it's about adapting our attitudes." Talk about that. I mean, you guys put it in there. Does that fit with, like, in a nutshell, what you're trying to do with? Uh, uh, the, um, project, uh, it's time to adapt.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I started this journey because I wanted to solve the, the clothing challenge issue, um, mm-hmm. by having mainstream brands understand that they could adapt their products to make it easier for people with disabilities to be able to dress themselves or be okay. dressed. But what I quickly learned, um, was that the product was only a, a, a part of what we are trying to do. It, it really is about reframing, rebranding who people with disabilities are in the public eye. And that is something that is really tied so directly to the fashion and beauty industry. So okay. it made perfect sense to lean into that piece of it um, through the lens of of those two industries and, and really why um, that line was... So embedded um into the campaign was because it is the part that i think people have an aha moment mm-hmm. that it is it's it's not is it is equally um as important for people with disabilities to be included but mm-hmm. as it is for our world to in, embrace and adapt how they see and view people with disabilities and and that was a really big part of um the campaign, and just for a little context of why we we did that campaign, there's two big moments in the fashion industry. Fashion Weeks, which happen okay. around the globe, and campaigns. So okay. we have really, over, this will be our ninth show coming up um, in September, we've really kind of cracked the nut a bit of, of being a standing member of New York Fashion Week. And it was important for us to really apply in the the campaign route as well, because that also helps get it out to so many more outlets, so many more people that may not be able to be in the room or see the shows or see the impact. Whereas our campaign "It's time to adapt has had, you know, millions of impressions already. um, Mm -hmm. And the the premise and the language and the visuals that we used in this are really something that we we want our world to absorb and understand the importance. It,
0: it did a great job on it. I mean, thank you. I want to uh, hop into the website at Runway of Dreams Foundation and read it. It says that our mission. It says Runway of Dreams empowers people with disabilities to have confidence and self expression through fashion and beauty inclusion. We work to give people with disabilities access to fashion that excites and empowers them. Uh, we provide awareness, educate consumers, advocate for industry change, develop a next generation of design innovators, and provide access to fashionable, adaptive apparel. Folks need to reach, read that as well. Again, you're getting a strong message, and you're being very direct about the message that you want to get across to these people, yes. to everybody. Um that can't be easy. <laughs>
1: um, I will say this, that it is a teeniest bit easier today than it okay. was 10 years ago. Um, okay. And I, I think that is such a an exciting um, sentence to say because the reality is 10 years ago, there were zero mainstream brands in the adaptable space, yeah. none. And it wasn't even adaptive wasn't even a word that people understood as it related to um, the fashion industry and apparel. So the fact that we went from having one brand, Tommy Hilfiger, on our first Mm -hmm. runway with adaptive products to here we are approaching 2023 show and we have 13 global brands, major brands in our world. That are um, solidly in the adaptive space now, um, and that's only growing every year. Uh, it's it's just in the in the timeline of the fashion industry, that yeah. is a fairly short amount of time okay. that we went from one brand to twelve brands in in less than ten years. Wow.
0: Yeah. So on the under the tab, adaptive runway shows, I want to talk about those for a bit., uh, here's a quote from you, People with disabilities are people first. And we have to rebrand who they are in the public eye. No better way to do that than on a runway. So, I get the message from that. What is a typical show like? What's when does it come up? How long does it take you guys? I mean, how many collaborative sessions do you have? How the heck do you get this done?
1: Um, we start planning our shows, um, it, it takes truly about eight to nine months. to um, really effectively plan these shows because um, unlike other typical shows during New York Fashion Week, which are one brand, we have 12 brands that we need to collaborate with, book models for all of our talent, um, have different disabilities, ethnicities, ages, backgrounds, and uh, we will have this year about 70 models on the runway. Um, wow. So it's the nuance of of not only selecting models, making sure that we have really um, solid diversity in every sense of, of what that word means, you know, not only mm-hmm. in skin color and, uh, you know, sexual orientation, but also in disability. Mm-hmm. So that nuance is, is, Quite, um, it's quite a tackle. Um, and also the notion of putting on an adaptive, the, the physical nature of producing a an adaptive runway show also takes a bit of time, even starting from the venues that we select. We had to make sure that they're ADA compliant. And if they're not, we retrofit them to make sure that they are ADA compliant and working through all of those nuances. So there's so many layers to this. Um, and you know, I, even though we, we have a formula mm-hmm. inev- inevitably, you know, every year it does change a bit. Um, you know, we'll have a new brand that's never been on our runway before and we have to kind of educate them a bit, but it is the truest definition of the labor of love. It is the greatest thing that we do and it never gets old to see the expression to hear you know the the cheering the to see the tears of of joy from our talent that never believed that something like this could ever happen in their lifetime to them um and i love the community that we build you know it is a very long day for the talent they um are, are backstage for almost the whole day with rehearsals and hair, and makeup and wardrobe and they form their own relationships. And we have had everything from couples, you know, that, that found each other backstage oh, cool. to best cool. friends to oh, very cool. families, you know, never meeting anybody else that has a colostomy bag or things like that. It is, Really, you know, a byproduct and a beautiful one of of what we do with our shows.
0: I would think that there's going to be some money involved. And I I was digging through and finding some sponsors. you got Target, Zappos, Kohl's, uh, No Limits, who specialize in adaptive clothing themselves. What type of relationship do you have with these folks? Do you end up kind of selling them a package on, here, you do this at this level, you get this support? At this other level, different things happen. So you have exactly. people within, you have people within your company that focus on going after those sponsors.
1: Exactly. So okay. we in uh, on the foundation side, we have uh, you know a business development fundraising uh, team that really works with our brand partners and sponsors. Because this is really, and, and this is something that has developed, uh, you know, over the years of having them be a part of Runway Dreams, that it's much more than, than just the show. It, okay. The show is our, our, our launching pad, our biggest event that we do during the year. But it can't just be a one-time thing that we'll see you next year. Um, yeah. We really lean into our, our partnerships to be able to do our year round programs like our college clubs, for example, we're in um, over 20 universities and colleges across the country that they wow. have runway dreams clubs on campus that are um, made up of students. They have their own governing bodies, students with disabilities and not um, that are tasked with doing their own runway shows mm-hmm. um, and they do those on their campuses. And it's it's really um, an incredible um, thing to witness to see future generations embrace this um even in a different a much more profound way, honestly than you know our generation because the younger um, generations demand this. It is not a oh, I wish this would happen. They demand it from companies that they are inclusive, that they are, thinking about people with disabilities. And it is, go- I, I, I look forward to seeing that shift as these generations grow up, you know, more into the professional world, because I think that's really why we focus so much on on future generations, because they are ultimately going to be the ones to make change happen.
0: Yeah, and education has to begin at the youngest level. And I think this generation has their own way of doing things, which seems yes. to be fantastic. With I I did notice in in listening to you and doing some research on on the group, it seems like you've you've got a base that's both growing vertically and horizontally by broadening itself. Mm -hmm. So what you've got going once you you've got it churning, it seems, that it'll start producing for itself and with itself and therefore making things easier to get out and to be known. But a question for you. uh, on this, Mindy is, what exactly does uh, Runway of Dreams do? You don't produce clothing, correct? You're not it's a manufacturer. Not. And
1: thank you for bringing that up because that's definitely yes. um, a, a misnomer. And that, will I'll put a pin in that because that goes to yeah. our conversation with uh, in terms of gamut. But really, the 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 crux of what Runway of Dreams does, we like to say that Runway of Dreams is the how or the why. And gamut management is the how. So we'll, we'll okay. talk about that after. Yeah. But the why being that we want the industry, the fashion and beauty industry, to understand why they need to be including okay. people with disabilities. What, you know, how are they looking at this population as consumers? Um, you know, what they need to think about in terms of, you know, rebranding, reframing to be fully inclusive and that there's a business opportunity here. Um, And, you know, that being the awareness, that's, you know, so we have a couple pillars. We have our awareness campaigns. So that's our runway shows and the campaign for inclusion that you just referenced. Mm. Then we focus heavily on uh, next generations. So we have an internship program every summer that's actually happening right now where we have 20 interns from across the country um, participating in our Runway of Dreams internship program, as well as our college clubs. Because again, we want this to be something that is instilled in future generations, that no matter where they go in their professional lives, you know, we're obviously focusing on, on fashion and beauty, that they will take with them, huh, how is this going to work for somebody with a disability? How are we thinking about that? And the you know, the earlier we start with that, the better. And then lastly, we um focus a lot on also um, providing scholarships. So we work with um the Fashion Scholarship Fund, which is a huge organization in the fashion industry that helps future designers. and we provide scholarships for those that are interested in the adaptive path.
0: So when I'm listening to you and and doing readings and things, it takes me back. So I'm coming up on 30 years now from when I was sick with group A strep, necrotizing fasciitis, blah, 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 the flesh eating disease. I lost both hands and parts of both feet. So 30 years coming up. How I tried to solve clothing problems, I could only stay with the mainstream. So one of the things I went, in a direction of doing, and I always like to wear jeans. I use boot cut because I have, I, I, I use uh, braces Mm -hmm. and boot cuts will cover and it won't tear in the back with the metal that tends to poke out of, um, of what I'm wearing. And then also uh, I started going to, uh, and this was before uh, the company uh, uh, Untuck It came out. Mm -hmm. I started, I, I reached a point, just screw it. I, it's really hard for me to tuck my shirt in. I'm just going to wear it out. I don't care. And I, I think that's one point that's, uh, that how things have changed. I have to tell you them. I haven't seen any product. Of course, I'm not looking in the, in that direction. When I go to Eddie Bauer to buy something or elsewhere, I don't see any tabs or categories for adaptive clothing. How are they making money? on on selling adaptive clothing and where are they selling it
1: so unfortunately the two companies that you just stated are not in the adaptive space yet yep. um Untucked is it is absolutely on our short list because they absolutely should be modifying these shirts that to hmm. have magnetic closure i know the viewers can't see it but i i in my office i have the very first um shirt that we worked with tommy um, cool. That's a classic Tommy yeah. Hilfiger plaid yeah. shirt that, you know, the, the buttons were replaced with magnets. And it's okay. something that they, they basically open and close pretty much on their own. Okay, And I'd I, I like to bring this up because the reality is, I, I don't know if you know, for example, when do you know when the button in the buttonhole was developed?
0: i am yeah. not, sh- 1200s?
1: Yeah, in, uh, in the 12th century. So okay. the fact that we are still utilizing that technology when we literally run our lives from our phones is yeah. a tremendous opportunity for yeah. us to rethink how things have been done. Um, so the, this is what we're slowly but making progress working on for all brands to have adaptive um, iterations of their products. So for the brands that are in the adaptive space. So right now we have for example Tommy Hilfiger, Target, Kohl's, JCPenney, Zappos, Steve Steve Madden, Stride Rite um, are like the really big players that are are in the game and their their products are online only for adaptive. We're working on getting them in store, but for right now they're um o- online only. And the category is adaptive. So okay. our goal is to really carve out and create a new category in the fashion industry. No different than plus size or petite. It's just a different requirement oh, and yeah. need and a body type shape.
0: Okay. So it sounds like I'm envisioning the way they are online. And of course, so many people buy online now is hopefully they're going to be having a tab that says adaptive. Adaptive. And yes. then they could sell from there. But one of the issues right. I'll bet that they have is they're increasing their number of number of SKUs, and we know that the more SKUs you have, the more money has to be invested in stock. And they're how do you think it's going for folks? The business of adaptive clothing—they making I- money?
1: I think that it's it's going well, or we wouldn't see the traction that we're seeing.
0: True, because it's money—that's um, what's and needed.
1: The, just to give some, you know, parameters around, or or you know, a, a, a check on on how things have been done. It took plus size over twenty years to really be considered a category. To mm-hmm you know, be viewed as important as other um, categories in the industry. And that was a long time ago where our world wasn't as, you know, um, open to different body shapes and types, et cetera. So adaptive similar path, although massively bigger than the plus size market um, has been building traction and okay. the more, so every year that we have been on this journey, at least one or two more brands have kind of joined the ranks and okay. a huge, huge brand is launching, um, in October and that they're actually going to launch on our runway, um, cool. in September that you will have to tune in to see.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, September 13, I believe.
1: Yes. Thank you. Um, and it will be live streamed. Cool. It's the big players that are going to Uh um, create the peer pressure, truly.
0: Okay. Okay. So that
1: the Untuckets and the, the other brands kind of wake up and realize that they're missing out on a huge part of the population.
0: Yeah. It seems like you don't just sit and dwell on, okay, we've got this thing started. Seems like you're open to grabbing other avenues and experimenting and see how you could push the limit. Now, you've got uh, a category that you're getting into. It's called getting intimate with disability. Ooh. And there's a video on <clears throat> the website that folks should find uh, that it, you're hosting a, a round table, even though there's you and some adaptive people, disabled people sitting in chairs and talking about that aspect of. The industry, the clothing industry, mm-hmm. and in the video, it's a. I just made some notes for myself. It looks like you're hosting a roundtable discussion. Blah blah blah. Uh, right. During the event, you introduce a, a woman named Miriam Blanco, who appears in the, I believe, it was the very first Victoria's Secret ad to have a disabled person on it. And you also touch on the importance of seeing people with disabilities in the mainstream, such as on television. That's, I've been chiming for that for a while. And telling people, hey, follow the LGBTQ uh, map with what they've been doing because we see it all the time. But yes. we're not seeing disabled people as much. And I recently applied to get on a $100,000 pyramid and I have to send in a video. And I, I mentioned to them, I have a disability and I don't see you guys having disabled people on, but I'm right here. Never heard anything from them. That's fine. But you're trying to do something with now an even broader task of intimate wear. So how's that going for you?
1: It's going very well. Cool. Um, And, and again, much more to come, Um, but it's, it, you know, I'm often asked what is my, you know, which brands would be my dream to get into the adaptive space. and, my answer is every, every, every category, yeah. every yeah. brand, every budget. Everybody should have an adaptive option for okay. their products and, and services because the reality is, if it works for somebody with a disabilities, it'll work for everyone. I mean, that's just that's just a, a fact.
0: Yeah, I wonder and, about the magnetic buttons.
1: That- oh my! I had so I have three children. <laughs> Um, I have a daughter and two sons. Oliver's my okay. middle. Okay. My younger son is all he wears. He's like, if I have to never button a button again, yeah. sign me up. I mean, it's it will become something that, I mean, and, and also look how many things in our mainstream world now started out as uh, uh, adaptive or for people with disabilities. Texting. Yeah. Texting was an alternate form of communication that was developed for people that could not communicate in a typical way. Now it's our most used form of communication for our world. Eyeglasses were a yep. medical device. Yep. It's a multi-billion dollar category in the fashion industry now. Wow. So we, yeah. I, I feel very confident that the adaptive <sighs> category will be mainstream it will work for people with disabilities because that's where it needs to start. yeah, but it'll help everyone.
0: Wow. So looking at at uh, um, this one last time, that snowball you started with Oliver is now a, a freaking mountain. But here you are doing something else. you've got the runaway of dreams working like clockwork, well, still a lot of work. <laughs> when did you do this other little thing called gamut <laughs> management? When did you start that, Mindy?
1: So um, back in about um, 2016, short of 17, shortly after our partnership with Tommy Hilfiger, suddenly it was like the floodgates opened and so many other brands, specifically in the the fashion and beauty industry, but then other industries like the entertainment industry, the automotive industry, the airline industry, started reaching out to Runway Dreams saying, well, we need to better include people with disabilities or can you help us adapt our products or our videos or whatever uh, uh, the company needed? And it was so clear that if they were reaching out to a nonprofit that literally had nothing to do with their industry, Mm -hmm. there must be an opportunity. So in 2019, I launched Gamut Management as the first of its kind, consulting and talent management company exclusively representing people with disabilities, and okay. only working with companies to help them modify and create products and services for people with disabilities. Okay, and it really has been um, game changing in the the notion again going back to what I said earlier of having runway of dreams be the why and gamut Mm -hmm. management being the how. So really helping these brands understand that they need to be, Mm -hmm. including people with disabilities, and then gamut takes it from there and says, okay, now this is how we're going to do it, and the way that we do it is by having people with disabilities by your side at every step of the journey because there isn't a designer, a publicist, a marketer, you name it, out there that can authentically be in this space without having people with disabilities by their side. It's so
0: you now can offer a package as in here's the clothing and here's how you do it. By the way, I've got some models for you and we can deal with it. So you know, okay, smart lady, smart. I'm gonna go into
1: we have one more that's really the smartest is that since we launched we kept hearing feedback from the population saying, like, awesome, that Target's now in the space and you helped them and that's so good. How do we know that they developed this product authentically? That they didn't just put magnets in a shirt and call it adaptive? And then on the other side, Target would say, well, how can we best communicate to the population that we put significant time, resources, and included people with disabilities in every step of the process. How can we show them that we did that? So uh, in May of 22, we launched the first certification mark um, in the adaptive space called the Gamut Seal of Approval.
0: Is that, that going to end up? This going to end up like the uh, um, the housekeeper or house exactly. And yes. it,
1: it already is. We're, we just launched.
0: Good housekeeping. um The yeah.
1: campaign is starting in July, but with Adidas, they were the first Whoa. company to receive our gamut seal of approval for products that were developed. Um, there are backpacks, socks are coming. Wow. All different types of products are coming. Um, and it has the gamut seal of approval on the packaging.
0: Wow! Well, I'll look for it because I, I coach soccer. And as a matter of fact, we're, our teams are going to be getting new uniforms. So I'm going to take a look and see if I can see that. You know, it's probably going to be right on the Adidas website. We see that. So on your on your gamut website, the mission, I'll read it. Gamut is here to lead brands towards doing better, more inclusive business. We will help you listen, listen to, engage, work with, and develop new adaptive products for people with disabilities. Bam. He nailed it. Once you get them sold on thinking about cha-ching and you tell them how many trillions of dollars are out there. Correct. That starts them thinking about that direction, which is all businesses. Then you hit them with this. Okay. Okay. I see what you're doing. Uh-huh. Smart. Smart. <laughs> okay. That's that's fantastic you're doing that. And I yeah, the adaptive seal so you're going in that direction as well. Um god, you are all over the, I love having guests on. That I think I've done a pretty good job of studying them, but then I learn so much more. Wow. All right. So Chris Rudin is one of your models. Chris Correct. was on this show. He's a cool guy. He's like a brother. Uh, and we love we, Chris. He's
1: the and best. He's,
0: he just I got him relaxed and we were laughing on the show because I've seen him do other stuff. He get he does this stuff so many times. But yeah. he and I were just sitting there. I wish we were sitting at a pub. Drinking pints together because that's what yeah, it seemed or like.
1: His favorite thing is donuts. So next time, I know. Yeah, yeah if we I see him together. ever,
0: yeah, we yeah. got. Yeah, let's have donuts. No, <laughs> let's have some beer, man. Um, so, <clears throat> what's next? Hmm. <laughs> she pauses uh, for a second.
1: I mean the the. I am so excited about what's next because there's so much more to do, even though we have really done, um, you know, we've had a great start. We really have. But when you think of our, our landscape and I, I I know that you'll understand exactly what I'm about to say, but having Oliver as my built-in kind of focus group, I can look around every room, everything that we do and see something that could be modified to make his life easier. And if it makes Oliver's life easier, it most definitely could make your <laughs> life easier and, again, the 1.8 billion people. Yeah. So what I'm excited about is having all industries understand, any product-facing company understand that we have such a big opportunity to be truly inclusive of mm-hmm. everyone and finding ways to be innovative. I mean, the, the thing I love so much that I get to experience on a daily is that people with disabilities are natural innovators. I am amazed on a regular basis by the hacks, the you know, amazing ideas that people with disabilities have yep. because they have no choice. Yeah. to navigate this world they have to figure out ways to make that work and we need to really kind of shift the thinking of if it works for people with disabilities it works for everybody and i say this very often to companies that they need to realize you know at least in in my world and i feel comfortable saying this for any caregiver every dis- every major decision we make for our family and our household mm-hmm. is revolved around what works for Oliver. Every vacation we take, every car I buy, every house we live in, every soap dispenser that is in this house is driven by the one that works for Oliver. So if you think about that as a, yeah. a you know, a, an opportunity, they are missing out. It should I shouldn't be laser focused on, you know, the specific ones. That have you know a pump that I know that he can use, or that it should be I should be inundated
0: mm-hmm. with
1: options that I know Oliver can use it and everyone can use it. And when you look at it from that perspective, it I can see the wheels turning, you know, in the the businesses or the leads that mm-hmm. I get to meet with about holy cow, I never thought of it from that perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I used to teach social studies and history, and in the class we would talk about necessity as the mother of invention. We all know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I would bring up money and necessity are the parents of invention. I would I would state that, especially when we're doing US history. So it seems that yeah, once you can get them to be thinking about those trillions of dollars that are out there and that it's it's the wild, wild west, mm-hmm. it's totally wide open. But also, hey, if you need uh, uh, if you need uh, any help with uh, models or anything, we've got it here. You've got most everything in house now. Yes, do We do, including
1: a- marketing, PR, advertising. We are one-stop shopping.
0: Do you have a literary agent in house?
1: <laughs> I, I, you know what, that is on I'm our joking. next to-do list. We are I'm, I'm because we- I,
0: I've I started this podcast out of necessity. Because my agent, I've got a, a memoir. I think is pretty damn good. Uh, would go to publish and they'd say, "This is great, but he needs a he needs a, a platform." So I heard that so many times. I fired the agent, and I went out and I started doing this. But now I'm into this so much. It's a lot like you. You start doing going in one direction, and then you get pulled in. And I I feel like there's a need for somebody mm-hmm. to go out and pound on some doors, and that's what I'm trying to do, and. Um, just running up uh, against brick walls at times, but just turning around and, and keep trying. So I was just half kidding about the agents. But if you know, no, any,
1: but it is it is something that is absolutely on our you know next iteration or expansion uh-huh. because we do have a ton of um authors on our in our talent pool.
0: It it's it's been over a year since I did my last set of queries, and now I'm back in look querying agents. And I'm noticing agents now for the first time say that they want to represent people w- that are underrepresented. And they mm-hmm. also mention disabilities. So I love it. yeah, that's that's where I'm gonna start, of course, when I get it back to queries. Uh, and doing that and actually I, I should start to do that pretty doggone soon. Do it. Make I, this well, your reminder. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I just have to start finding it. I'm in the middle of soccer season. We just won our last two tournaments. We're going for a state championship oh, on Sunday. So I'm focused on that. Yeah. Not bad for a guy that, uh, has no hands, parts, no, uh, no feet, you know, so still I doing it. So. Yeah. Well, I, I love what I do and that's, that's still my competitive side. So anyway, um, I, I want to give a special thank you to Debbie Rucker, uh, that you work with from runway of dreams for helping make this episode come together. She was our in-between.
1: So, I love Debbie. that Debbie.
0: Debs, the greatest. Great. Yeah. Um, so with that thought, That sound of the VW means it's time for us to shift gears and get into a little thing we call a road trip roundup. There's going to be five questions for you here, Mindy, that relate you and your road trip experiences. Okay, we're just Mm -hmm. going to be chillaxing here. All right. So question number one, when road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners?
1: Local diners.
0: Cool. Yeah, I've become that way, too. Yes, no
1: question, I love a diner.
0: Enjoy it, enjoy it. Hey, when you take your son there, does he ever run into any issues with uh, accessibility?
1: All the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh you say that with a smile. All the time, time. Um, (laughs) oh God.
1: Unfortunately, there are steps with no railing. Yes. You know, there's all kinds of things, but um, we still go for it because he also loves diner.
0: Very cool. All right, what's your dream car for a road trip? Could be something you grew up with. Your parents, had, you know, parents had a station wagon or whatever, back seat faced in the back, or you've got now, or something. You'd even, oh, what the heck? Maybe even rent just to go on a road trip.
1: Um, my dream is the um, that silver streamline thing. That's like, what yes. is that called?
0: Um, you talking about the camper type thing? That you, yes, you pull. But it's be- like silver. It's,
1: it looks like a hill. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Someone will probably that's write to me about it. to go Oh, man. From the 50s. Yep. When the but highways were opening up. they're
1: very modern now. They yeah, are. Like they're
0: redoing them. they cool. Mm-hmm. They, somebody is knocking them off, and they're starting to uh, um, make them again like yeah. that. Yeah. So that's, that's what cool. I want. That Okay. So you can just pull over and just do things on totally. your own. And very yeah, put out, free. like, the, the, the yeah, yeah. divisor. The awning. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the awning.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll match my outfit to it. Folks, you need to go in and and look on her websites and stuff. She dresses to the nines. I mean, very catchy. She's got a style. When we we first logged in, we could see each other, folks. And it's like, I like your style. She wears (laughs) a lot of bells. So if anybody knows what bells are. yeah, add
1: whistles.
0: Yeah, very cool. All right, so a couple more to go. Three more to go. What's the last cassette or CD that played while you are on a road trip?
1: I'm going to say, oh my god, I love cassette. Um, yeah. Most likely it was Duran Duran or, okay. um, um, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting the band. Hold on. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it'll hit you when we get when we say goodbye. Yeah.
1: but mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Duran Duran.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Straight up, Coke or Pepsi. Coke. Damn, we're. Definitely. I, I'm i never going to be able to talk to anybody from Pepsi if they have a disability because um, they're, they're not going to like this. So many people from well, the show everybody drink Coke, Coke right? They drink Coke, yeah. yeah. I drink uh, Coke Zero. Uh, my so do I.
1: But I will say, it's, it's, yeah. deli- it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But I will <laughs> say that the Pepsi no sugar or whatever yeah. they call yeah. is really good.
0: It tastes like regular Pepsi? That. Okay. Yeah. All not right.
1: Diet Pepsi. They're new like Coke Zero
0: version. See, but nobody puts that out uh, as a fountain drink. That's too bad. They don't put Coke Zero or that Pepsi. But, oh, well. Okay, here's the big one. I love asking this question. What's your favorite road trip memory? Whatever you want, Mindy. Okay, Okay, okay,
1: okay, okay. Let me think. Um. I would, I think one of my favorite, and it's-
0: There's a chuckle. I like it. I already like it.
1: (laughs) Because it's not profound in any way whatsoever. It's so funny that it still makes me laugh. It probably was the first road trip that we took as a family, like my family, my three kids and my husband. Cool. And my little one was super young, but relatively toilet trained. Um, Uh-oh. and we had just left and we were like on a mission. Um, and within, I'm not exaggerating, like uh-huh. one mile, <laughs> all three kids peed on the side of the road. And then suddenly F- I felt like I really had to go. And Greg's oh like, you know what? I, we didn't even get <laughs> like what out of the town of Livingston mm. before all five of us felt That's like it was the pee. right thing to do to pee on the side of the road <laughs> like there were plenty of bathrooms um available <laughs> but we felt like that was like the road trip okay. thing to do
0: the family that pees together road <laughs> yeah, trips we're, we're definitely
1: going to stay together
0: then uh, yeah you got that right oh yeah, yeah. okay you and I are going to stay on for a minute uh but I'm just going to say to everybody challenge likes everyone and keep listening to life's a road trip thanks for listening check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each tuesday if you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening visit our website at life's a roadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest this is your host scott martin reminding you that life's a road trip